Well, good morning, church. For the last few weeks, we've been hearing from Jesus and everything that he's been telling us. Uh, he's been telling us, we've been hearing from him. We've, he's been, well, he's been telling them and us during the week right before he was going to be crucified. Those last few days before he will suffer and die. That's when he's been saying what he's been saying to the people. And yet, even though he knew what was coming, I mean, he kept telling his disciples what was going to happen to him when, we, when he got into Jerusalem, what was going to happen to him before the end of the week, that he was going to be killed. He kept teaching them. He kept showing the people God. He kept healing people and making room for people in his life. And as I think about that, I wonder, I wonder if I could possibly have lived that in the same way, knowing what was going to happen come the end of the week. Could I have, would I have had that same sort of willingness to be available to the people like that? If I knew that at the end of the week, people were going to take me by force and then falsely accuse me and then whip me and beat me and mock me and then hang me on a cross with nails through my hands and feet. I'm not sure I'd be so willing to be so generous with my time. I'm not so sure I would be available to the people like Jesus was available to them. I think that I'd take some time to be with myself, to be away from the crowds, not to be in them, to just be with people that mean the most to me. If I knew that something horrible was going to happen to me by the end of the week, I don't think that I would be thinking about others nearly as much as Jesus was. But then there is Jesus, and his attitude is completely different. It was all about being with the people those last few days. He was teaching them, and he was healing them, breaking bread with them. He was even washing their feet. He was so available to them that last week. And I think to myself, how? Why? How did he do that? How could he, knowing what he knew about what was coming, how could he still have room in his life for all those people? Where did that kind of presence and peace come from? How could he act that way? Where did, where did that come from? And here's what I think. I think that he could do that and live like that and love like that because he had absolute confidence in God. He knew God. He knew his father's character. And because of that, because he knew the kind of father he had, the kind of God he served, he could live those last few days like he did. He knew that even though something extraordinarily difficult was coming, something hard was coming, his father would be with him. And, and it was that that gave him the ability to be so available to people that last week. It was his confidence in God that made it possible for him to live like that and love like that. And today Jesus tells us a parable about how to live the kind of life that he lived. It's a parable about two ways of living, two ways of living life, living the life that God has given you to live. One way is the way of confidence. Confidence in God. Confidence in the God who made you. And the other way is the way of fear. So let's look at the parable. The parable's in your bulletin. It's that one we just read. I'd like you to take it out and, and, and look at it. If you've got your Bible, it's Matthew chapter 25. Starting at verse 14. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like this. A man going on a journey, he summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. 
And right away, we notice something. Uh, we notice that the man that was going on this journey entrusts his property to his three servants, his three slaves. And it might seem like he was being rather stingy with that last one who only got one talent. He gave five to the first, two to the second, and then to the third, that, that guy only got one talent. But the word talent doesn't mean ability like it does in English. It, it means it's a, it's a term for money, and it was a term for a ton of money. I mean, uh, to give the one given five talents was given more money than most people would have ever seen in their lifetime back then. The one with two talents is given what an average person might earn over the course of that person's life. And the person given one talent was still given what a worker might have earned in 15 or 20 years of working. And so this is not an insignificant set of money. This is not like a stingy master who's like, you know what, I'm only going to give you $5. Now go figure out what to do with it. And we gave him about $500,000 equivalent at that time, which is a lot. You can do stuff with that. So don't feel too sorry for the servant that only received the one talent. Also, note that the master gives to each servant according to his ability. He doesn't give the servants more than they can handle, uh, given who they are. He, he doesn't insult the, the most able by giving them too little. He doesn't, he doesn't overburden the one that can't handle a lot by giving him too much. He gives just the right amount, just the right amount for each person to handle. And something else to notice is that this man, he didn't tell them what to do with the money. See, there's, there's this fly that keeps flying around my face. <laughs> And it bothers me. Okay. Anyway, God, help me with this fly. All right. Something else is you notice that this man, he didn't micromanage his slaves. He just entrusted the money to them. He didn't tell them exactly how to invest it. He didn't tell them exactly what to do. He just said, here's the money. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going away. And I want to. He just flew into my ear. <laughs> Somebody else smell really good. Just, all right, come on, help me out. All right. Okay. So anyway, he didn't micromanage the, these guys. He, he entrusted them. He simply gave them the money, put them in charge, and then left. He shows a great deal of trust in each one of these servants, doesn't he? And he gives them the freedom to do whatever they saw fit to do with that money while he's gone. It says he entrusts the money. He's showing a lot of confidence in his servants. And it would take a lot of confidence to entrust somebody with that much of his, of his wealth. It was all of his wealth. Now, for some reason, the lectionary does not include the next few verses from our reading. It actually skips over several verses, but I'm going to read them to you because they're important. Because this is, it actually tells us what these servants did with the money. Um, if you've got your Bible, this starts in Matthew 25, verse 16, but this is, this is what it says. The one who, who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. In the same way, the one that had two talents, he went off at once and made two more talents. Uh, the, these first two servants, they went off at once to put the money to work. They were enthusiastic about the opportunity that they had been given by their master. And so they wasted no time, and both of them doubled their money. But then in verse 18, it says, But the one who had received the one talent went off, and he dug a hole in the ground. And he hid his master's money. And before you think that this guy is an idiot, because it would be very easy to say, what a dum-dum. Actually, at the time, it was, it was uh, the, the rabbis would tell you that that was an acceptable thing to do to safeguard your, your wealth, to dig a hole in the ground in your backyard and hide it so that nobody could find it. And so it wasn't like he was being a complete fool. He just wasn't being very risky. Um, it's interesting to contra contrast the, the behaviors of those three 
servants, though. Here's what they did. Uh, the first two, uh, if you listen to the verbs in the sentences, the first two went away at once, while the third one just went off. And the first two traded with them, and the third, he dug a hole. And then the first two gained more, and the third, he hid the money in the ground. The difference in the behavior and the, in, in their attitude is striking. The first two are acting in confidence and in freedom, and the third, he's acting in fear. Returning now to the text that uh, I think that you have in, in your bulletin, it says, After a long time the master of those slaves came, and he settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you handed over to me the five talents. See, I have made five more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. In the same way with the second one. And then the third one, he came in and he said, Master, um, I knew, I knew that you are a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. And here's the thing. If, uh, if you're just reading through, and you're reading through the Bible in a year, then you don't really have time to, to stop and consider everything that's being said. But if you do just stop, just for a second, and imagine what this, what this third servant said. He said, I knew you were a harsh man. Uh, I knew you gathered where you didn't sow. I knew you... Uh, you, you, uh, you reap where you don't sow and you gather where you didn't, never scattered seed. I knew you were a harsh man. This is one of the most uh, heartbreaking statements, I think, in, in the Gospels. This man, instead of enjoying the generosity of his master and the freedom he had been given with his master's money, the master hadn't controlled him at all. He entrusted his money with him. This man lived in paralyzing fear of a master he didn't even know. He thought his master was a hard man, even though his master had, been, had just been so generous with him. He thought his master was setting some kind of wicked trap for him, so that if he messed up at all, his master might punish him. But that's the difference. That's the difference between the, the first two servants and this guy. It's not the return on the money that the master rewarded uh, at the, at, when, when, when those two servants came. It's the reasons that those returns were different. That's the, diff that's, what, that's the key point. The first two really did know the master, trusted the master, loved the master, had confidence in his character. And the third didn't know the master at all. He feared him, thought he was a hard man who took advantage of him. That was the difference. The third servant presumed his master was a certain kind of cruel man who gave freedom only as a way of setting a trap to catch others making mistakes. But he was wrong. That is not what the master was like at all. He didn't act out of confidence in the, in the kind of man his master was, but instead he acted out of fear because his ideas about the master were totally wrong. And think about that for a moment. I mean, is it possible that you believe something about God that just isn't true? This, this fly is driving me crazy. <laughs> I record these sermons, not that anybody listens, but I record them and I put them on the internet, but I'm going to have to cut out so many parts of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, All right. But is it possible, is it possible that, that you are a little bit like that third servant and you believe something about God that just isn't true? Is it possible that you are motivated more in this life by your fear of doing wrong than by your love and confidence in God.
I mean, the first two servants, they really knew their master. And so they trusted him. And they saw that they had been given an unimaginable honor, an unimaginable opportunity when the master entrusted them with so much. They were given freedom to do whatever they wanted to do with the money. And because they knew their master, because they trusted him, because they didn't think he was some kind of uh, a cruel man setting a cruel trap to catch them, a horrible setup that, that he was doing to, to catch them doing bad things so he could punish them, they acted in confidence. They acted without fear at all. But that third servant, he, he really didn't know his master at all. He thought he did know his master, but he really didn't know him, and so he was afraid. His master had trusted him with so much that he didn't trust his master at all. And this is what I think. I think that Jesus is showing us that there are, two, there are basically two ways that we can live in this life. There are two ways that we can live in this life. I'm, I'm going to stop the sermon for a second. And I'm going to show you this. this. This thing right here, it's called a Paul. And um, you know why the church invented this? It sits right on top of the chalice when it's filled with wine. You know why the church has that? So flies won't get in the wine. <laughs> All right, anyway, there you go. A little, little, little pause. Uh, but now you know. There's, we've got all this stuff up there, and there's a reason. And it's because uh, flies. I was over in Uganda, and, um, and I, had been, I, I had visited this family, and I'd, our church had done a lot of stuff to bless this family. Matter of fact, we still, this church still sends money to support this kid. He's actually a grown man now, 20, 23 years old. But he was abducted in Uganda by these soldiers who'd come into his, into his village, and they shot his parents. And his parents survived, but they were horribly wounded. And then they took him as an eight-year-old boy and off, into the, off into the wilderness. And anyway, he ran away. He found his way back. But he, didn't know, but he, well, he found his way to freedom, but he had no idea what to call his home. He, he said, uh, they said, where, where are you from? And he said, I'm from home. And, well, where is your home? He said, ah, it's on the hill. And that's all he knew because they didn't have all, names for these cities and stuff. At least he hadn't been told. And so... Um, we support him now, but when I went to go visit him in Uganda, he gave me a, his family gave me a goat as a, as a thank you gift, which I, which I accepted gladly, but I wondered, how am I going to get this on the plane back to the United States? Because they don't let you bring livestock in. Uh, but anyway, and so we took, the, we took the goat to the church, and we offered it as part of the offering there, because I said, what should I do with this? And they said, well, you can make an offering of it at the church. And I said, oh, okay, which is interesting, but over in Uganda, it's commonplace for people to bring chickens and goats and anything as an offering, you know, uh, bananas or anything as an offering. I'd prefer, if, you, if y'all are going to give an offering today, checks, money, that, <laughs> we'd prefer that. But the bottom line is, um, over in Uganda, because it's commonplace to bring animals into the church sanctuary, it makes sense to have a pall over the, the chalice because you've got all sorts of stuff happening in the church. And so they, anyway, that's the way it was way back in the day in the early church too. That's why they invented all this stuff. That's why I told you that story about Uganda, because of this fly that's flying around my face. Cut. Okay, I'm going to bring it back in here. <laughs> Do you really know your master? Do you live in fear of what God thinks of you? Do you think that God is waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can get you? Or do you trust in his unimaginable grace? Do you trust him enough to take a chance, to risk it all? Do you trust him enough even to make a mistake? 
That's the way Jesus lived his life. Complete confidence in God. He could face anything. He knew he could because he knew that God was with him. And I believe that this parable is not about God rewarding the ones who happen to double their money. I think it's about God rewarding those who trust him enough to risk it all. Because no matter what happens, they know God and they have confidence in him. A few years ago, I got to see one of my all-time favorite musicians in concert up in Atlanta. His name is Peter Gabriel. If you hate that guy, I'm sorry. I just love him. I think he writes some of the best songs. They've resonated with me since I was a kid. But in one of his songs that he wrote kind of recently, it's called Father, Son. And he's singing about his relationship with his dad. His dad was getting, getting on up in years. He was remembering those formative times in his childhood. And listen to what he says in one of the verses. He says, I remember the breakwaters down by the waves. I first found my courage knowing that daddy could save. I could hold back the tide with my dad by my side. Right? Knowing his dad was there set him free to live. Because he knew his father. He knew his dad's character. His trustworthiness. His strength. And that his dad could save him. And wouldn't let him get washed away. That's the kind of confidence that Jesus wants to have in God. He wants us to have that kind of confidence. Jesus had total confidence in his father. And he tells us to call God our father too. Jesus wants us to be in on that relationship with him. That father relationship. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? Do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you have that kind of faith in who he is that you can go for it? That means you just go for it with him. Do you trust him enough to risk it all for him? There are two ways of living life. The way of confidence in God and the way of fear. You can play it safe where security is prized above everything else. Or you can live with joy and abandoned, grounded in who God is. When you think about your life, have you trusted God? Have you trusted in God's goodness enough to take a turn at bat? Or have you been too scared to make a mistake? Have you been too scared to even try? So I'm going to close with this question. God has entrusted you with this life. What would your life look like? What would you do with this life, with the remaining remaining moments of this life? the remaining moments of the life that God has given you, what would you do? How would you live? How would you love if you had complete confidence in in God's goodness? How would you do it? Would your life be different? Would you make different decisions if you knew that no matter what, God had your back? Would you love more? Would you risk more? Would you be vulnerable more? Can you imagine what your life might look like if you live like that? Pray with me. Well, there are two ways to live, God. Two ways. But most of us have chosen not the way of confidence in you, but the way of fear. Uh, Forgive us. Forgive us for not trusting you. And then change our hearts. 
Help us to have the kind of confidence in you that Jesus had in you. The kind of confidence that makes us uh, want to, to risk it all, to take, take a turn at bat. In Jesus' name, amen.